Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Hey, if you have your Bibles and you want to open up um, and follow along this morning, we're going to be in the book of John chapter 5, book of John chapter 5. And um, while you're opening up, I just want to say again, good morning. I'm so thankful that you're here with us this morning. And um, we're going to have a great time today. And, and, and this piece of passage is a passage that, um, as, I, as I even get to going into it, it, it brings me back to a conversation, about an hour-long conversation I was having with a dear pastor friend of mine down in Camden, South Carolina. And um, Brian actually, Brian Plyler brought this message last Sunday and, and he and I were talking through it and just um, praying through it and um, man I, I got so excited I said you know what I want to speak on that I think God's wanting us to hear what um, he has to say through this piece of scripture and then through this week Brian and I've been talking back and forth and it just makes me think about my brother and it gets me a little emotional and I want to get my heart ready to just be about God's business but I know Brian's God's business and in between that conversation and now, I get a text from Brian that he's got degenerative um, bone disease in his spine and his arms is going to sleep and he can't even use his left hand now hardly and the pain's done overcoming. And this morning he's texting me and he said he's not going to be at church this morning, that he's got to go see a surgeon for emergency surgery. So we just want to continue to be praying for Brian. And, you know, he's a, a messenger from God and he's just equipping the saints and he's a mentor of mine and a dear friend. So just as he and I were just talking through this message, it was just nice just reflecting that God uses so many of his men and women around this earth to encourage each other. So... Let's get into this passage and let's just celebrate how good God is. So we're in the book of John chapter 5 and um, there's some stuff going on here. Jesus has started his ministry. He's, he's moving around, he's walking around and, and he's bringing um, his, his disciples into an area. Um, originally to go to, to, now theologians kind of debate this a little bit, but I believe also just I'm studying it's the Passover. So Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem for the Passover holiday and, and he's coming into a place where it's noted to have a lot of people who is, who's been sick, a lot of people who are hurting. And so that's kind of where our story's setting up. But I want y'all to get this image of how Jesus walks into an area and he's really, really um, interested in people who are hurting. He's interested in people who are lost. He's interested in, in the people who um, maybe have been rejected, okay? Um, that's, that's our Savior. Um, he, he can really get fired up on people who are religious and, and the law, but he's, he, he's interested in everyone, but he sees an opportunity there. And then we're going to read this piece of scripture. We're going to go from verse 1 to 15. It's not, it's not as much reading as last week, so you can go ahead and make a sigh of relief. You won't have to hear me read, try to read too long. But um, this is a very, very fun story to seek the Lord in and to let him just work in our hearts afterward. Okay, so here we go. Um, John chapter 5, starting with verse 1 down to 15. It says, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda. With five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 
When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. What a good story. Isn't that great? Man, you just like, woo, man, there's a lot going on there. So I just want us to kind of walk through this a little bit. And, and first, I want to go ahead and, and set the tone. That sometimes when people read this, they think about, oh, at least, I, oh, boy, I'm glad I'm not sick. Man, they are all messed up. But me, I'm, I'm good. We have to understand that each and every one of us could be on that mat. It's not just for an addict. You, you, you can fill in the blank where you struggle. You could, you could man, I, I could, I've got several blanks there, but I can find myself on that mat in different places in my life. As I'm sure if you will be honest with yourself, that today you may be able to find, wow, I've been laying here but God can heal me from it. But what is it that he can? But I just want us to not get so one-dimensional minded that we think that, wow, I'm just so glad I'm not that person. I think that we can all be that man on the mat. So with that being said, we're going to work through it. Verses 1 through 7, it says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays inside the city near the Sheep Gate, the Pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time, and he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So the scene is Jesus is walking in, and there's all these men and women and people lying around, and there's this pool, so... History tells us that this, this body of water here, and you can find it in the scriptures, it can be in, in your footnotes, but there was an angel historically that would come and dip down and stir the waters. And when these waters were stirred up, that they had these healing medicinal purposes that the first person that would get into these waters after that would get healing. Well, that's a pretty good deal, unless you can't move your legs. It's a pretty good deal unless there's 150 people around this water and only one gets the healing. So you can imagine that 38 years of going back and forth and trying to be the person at the pool that just when the right moment happened that you wanted this healing so badly that you was like, I'll do anything if I can just get healed. So I imagine that when Jesus asked this man, do you want to be healed? He probably looked at him like he had two heads. 
you know, I've been laying here for all these years. I've been coming back and forth. I, look at me, man. Look how messed up I am. Yeah, I want to be healed. But what does that man do? As fast as Jesus answers the question, there's something that happens. What does he do? He starts making excuses. He starts making excuses. Do you want to be healed? Yeah, but you don't understand. I have nobody to carry me down and to put me into the water. Yeah, but you don't understand if you just knew my past circumstances. You know what I'm saying? Who can, I'm telling you, I can be guilty of this. Yeah, but you just don't understand if you just knew what my parents were like. I don't know. Or if you just didn't understand, you knew that the people at my job, how they treated me or what happened in my past or it can, you can just fill in the blanks forever and ever and ever. But that's human nature is that we want to make excuses for something that didn't happen that got us to a place where we're at. And Jesus, Jesus is standing there beside this man. And, he, and, he's, and he's God in the, in the flesh is beside this man. And the thing is, he's fixing to do a miracle in this man's life. I want you to hear what Spurgeon says about the entirety of the situation and everyone around there. Listen to what he notes in his commentary. It says, the multitude of needy people were there, yet none of them looked to Jesus. A blindness had come over these people at the pool. There they were, and there was Christ. There they were, and there was Christ. Who could heal them? But not a single one of them sought him. Their eyes were fixed on the water, expecting it to be troubled, stirred. They were so taken up with their own chosen way that the true way was neglected. Did you hear what this man just said? How the scripture lays out that the, the, the people, the men and the women, myself, as I'm laying on my mat and this water's out there and I said, that's the way, that's the way I'm gonna find healing. That's the organization that's gonna help me. That's the church body that's gonna help me. That's the man that's gonna help me. That's the woman that's gonna help me. That's the job that's gonna help me. Here's the things that's gonna help me in my life. And God says, I have been here beside you the entire time, but you can't take your eyes off of the water. And it's a long process if you want to do it your way. But it can be instant healing if you'll follow me. I don't know about you, but that messed my head up. I've got to have several conversations this week as God has unfolded this message in my life. And I had to come to the conclusion that the Dream Center in Paul Crosby and the Dream Center Church has tried to play the role of Jesus Christ in the past. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a poor savior. And if you're honest with yourself, you'd probably be a poor savior too. But here's what I am. A man who's been saved. A man who is a vessel. A man who is conduit to the ones who have not been saved. Now what God wants us to do is to be that conduit to the Savior. To say, I can't help you. This outreach center can't help you. This church 
can't help you in being healed, our job is to equip you after you are healed to pour into you the word of God, to pray over you as you learn and grow, but not to be the Savior. See, we're the water. We're the water that distracts the person from seeing Jesus standing there beside them if we're not careful. So the same can be true for us. We look to our friends for healing. We look to our doctors for healing. Doctors, nothing wrong with doctors. <laughs> They're good for us. God gives them equipment. But they, but they don't supersede God. Our programs, our parents, and the church. But it's really, this man had to have faith in order to experience the healing that Christ was offering him. See, because the healing came when he made the action to stand up. And I'm just wondering how many people even today have been healed by God through Jesus but have still laying on that mat. See, what had happened in this man's life came apparent to him when he took action to stand up and roll up this bed and walk. But so many times we pray a prayer and we sit there and we wait for God to walk for us. We wait for God to do everything for us like we're some infant in a, in a, in a bed. And God said, no, I purchased you at a high price. You got to get up. You got to walk. You got to trust me. You got to have faith in me that I have came and I healed you. You do not have to live on that mat any longer. You do not have to struggle with blank any longer. I have came and I made all things new, including you. So faith in Christ can heal. A couple of um, examples that I just jotted down. They're not gonna be on the screen, but Matthew 8, 2, and 3. That was the man with leprosy, right? Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, can you heal me and make me clean? Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. He said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Another story, Matthew 9, 22. That's the lady with the bleeding issues her entire life. And she's following Jesus, and she touched his garment. She's following Jesus, and she touched his garment. Jesus felt the power go through him. And he turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment, Matthew 9, 22. See, those that have been healed by Christ and his word should be ruled by his word. I want to say that again because I think I need to hear it. Those that have been healed by the living word should be governed and ruled by his word. What does that mean? That means that this beautiful set of instructions is meant to grow you and I into these image bearers of God as we follow God's dictates for us 
that some things are not from God and they're not good for us. And every time that we partake in it, we go back and we lay on that mat. And we're laying on that mat and it's like, well, if you just understood why I need this. And God said, I understand. I sent my son to take it. You got to get up and walk. You got to get up and walk. It's at the moment that we get up and walk. It's when God does miraculous things in our lives. And it's not just walking in aimlessly wandering directions. It is walking in the direction of our Savior Jesus Christ. It is following the one who came and rescued us from our depravity. So let me read verses 8 and 9. It says, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk, man. He didn't probably put man in there, it's just me, but he was, he was like, get up, man. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Oh boy, but here it goes. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Eight, nine, and 10. At the moment that an individual has an encounter with Jesus, they instantly have to combat religion. Let me just make it simple. There's law. You can't get healed on the Sabbath, is what the Jewish leaders was telling this man. Read the scriptures. God says, I work all the time. My people need me. I'm constantly at work. And Jesus, who happened to see this man in a bad way, and for some reason this man saw Jesus, where maybe the others were so focused on the waters that they didn't, that Jesus said, be healed. And then these religious leaders were sitting there saying, ah, oh, but you can't do that. You can't get your mat and walk on this day. This is the Sabbath. Who told you to do that? And here's where I had an aha moment. This man was healed and didn't even know who healed him. I want you to think about that. Growing up in North America, growing up in the South, we hear Jesus' name 10,000 times before we're 10 years old, I bet you. And you can walk around thinking that you have a relationship with him because you've heard his name your entire life. But when you have a God encounter through Jesus Christ, you're just going to know something's different. And you're going to get up and walk. And it ain't going to be about the water. And it ain't going to be about the people. And it ain't going to be about who can do this for you. It ain't going to be about nothing but that man. Well, something about that man. Why do you say that, Paul? How do you know that? Where did this man go? He went to the temple. Let's read on. So the Jewish leaders objected. This is verse 10. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up your mat and walk. Hey, just a census here. 
If you're struggling with something that's really, really messed up and you feel like that that person has just now um, cured you of something that you could never, ever figure out over 38 years how to do, you'd probably listen to them, wouldn't you? And that's what this man did. Who said such a thing they demanded? The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you're well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. See, this man didn't take off trying these new legs out and this new body out down by the fishing hole. <laughs> I ain't throwing those darts at fishermen. I like to fish too. I'm a little disgruntled because people won't take me anymore. Side note. He didn't, he didn't try out these new legs out there on the ball field or, or, or wanting to hit the bar and see if he could hit his groove on a little bit. He, he went to the temple. He knew something had changed in his life and he wanted to go and figure it out. He went to understand and learn why something had changed dramatically in his life. The healing had transformed him into a place to go and have repeated opportunities and encounters with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but this is where this message speaks to me is that many times I go and I place my mat down in places where I may not encounter Jesus. I want to go do what I want to go do. And Jesus is there the entire time, but the water looks so good that I can't take my eyes off of it, of hope for what it might do or give to me. And I miss growing with Jesus. But he was in the temple. And Jesus found him. And he says, hey, you need to stop. Go sin no more. You don't have to live this way. You're my child. You won't be able to let go of this stuff until you look to me and me only. Man can't free you from this, what you struggled with. Do not go back in and test those waters. And in closing, it just made me, made me think of this one verse. It's in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, I think. Hebrews 10, 25. And it made me think about this verse. It made me think about our church. And, it, and I was having a, a meeting with um, Steve Hogg, Pastor Steve Hogg at First Baptist Church here the week before last. And he looks at me and he says, your church that God's let you shepherd is a hospital. And I said, yeah. I've been listening to him for 10 or 15 minutes on how many people had joined the church this past year and how much growth they had and all the things that was happening and how much more money they were bringing in. And I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. Praise God. That's praise God. And I'm sitting there and he said, well, what about what's going on? What's God doing? And I shared some stories with him of how God was just working in people that had been hurt and broken and rejected and not taken in. And, and, and I think God spoke to his heart. He said, your church that God lets you watch over is a hospital. And it makes me think about this verse here. 
And it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of return is drawing near. See, here's the deal. I can make a daily decision to go back and find that pool of Bethesda. You know, in my mind, I've read that for 12, 15 years now, and I've always had this imagery that this was a beautiful pool. It wasn't. It was piled up with people who were hurting and, and sick and scared and didn't have any kind of direction and just felt like they were left alone by themselves. And I think about this scripture here. It says that when we've been drawn out of this sickness and from away from this poverty of hurt and destruction, how do I continue not to let my flesh and my muscle memory default back to that? Does that make sense? Because I can easily find comfort in what I was comfortable doing for 38 years. I can easily find comfort in being the person that did these things for 38 years because even though God has healed me from it, when I get afraid, I fall back into where I feel comfortable and natural. But the way we stop ourselves from doing that is meeting together to encourage one another because we know the day of God's return is near. And I'm going to tell you right now, church, there has never been a time like today that we need to meet together to encourage one another through God's word with prayer and love and encouragement because this nation, this world that we live in is teaching that anything else is just okay. And the church is slowly looking like the world. Because we can say, I got my Jesus card. I'm just going to go hang out by the pool. And if we're not careful, we'll use examples. Oh, I'm just going to go and help somebody else up at the pool. I can't help myself. How am I going to help you up from the pool? Jesus is the only one that can help us. I'll make a pass by that pool and say, hey. What did that woman at the well say, Miss Janet? Hey, come let me tell you about somebody who told me everything I'd ever done. His name's Jesus. I don't want to get up. Well, let me just sit beside you in this muck until you decide you want to. You get that mud all over me. Hey, Jesus loves you. He wants to show you a different way. Come and see. Come and see. I don't really care to. Stephen Loney, one of my friends and mentors, tells me, he said, the tiredest thing you'll ever do is to try to drag somebody into salvation who's not ready to be saved. He's like, Paul, you love people. He said, dog, gone, bro. He said, you'll break your back. He said, you got to stop trying to drag people into right relationship. He said, you better focus on Jesus yourself. He rebuked me. And we have to just all come to terms that we can't be the water. We can't be Jesus. We are the water, excuse me. 
We can't be the one that saves people. All we can be is the one who loves people and offers them to meet and to introduce them to the one who came to save them. Amen? Can we do that as a church together? Can we grow together and family together as we meet here in a few weeks and we break bread with one another and we share stories and we, and we meet together, as that scripture says, to encourage one another? Can we start praying for one another, not only in this church but in the churches surrounding us, that, that God's spirit would move in and throughout the city, that people who are hurting, who are lost, who are broken, may see Jesus through us? And when that happens... We have to take that role to say, oh, no, it ain't me. Let me let you know it's Jesus. He loves you. And he's there for you. Can we pray together? Father, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for absolutely loving to walk around the pools. And you're walking right now. You're walking all over this city. You're walking all through the, the stores and the, and the ministries and the organizations and the streets and the woods and, and, and everywhere. God, you're, you're working. You're walking. You're moving. And, and your prayer is, and you're patiently walking that men and women would lose this focus on temporary healing long range healing the water whatever we may call it Lord but we're focused on everything but you Jesus and I pray Lord God that people who do not know you that have heard your name will have an encounter with you Lord that you will walk by them and you will stand beside them and they will hear your voice maybe even this morning they will hear your voice would you like to be healed God would you speak that over our lives this morning would you open up the floodgates to this altar as your voice speaks to us individually would you like to be healed and out of that, it made action that we get up and we walk. Maybe that getting up is walking down to this altar and praying, saying, I am tired of laying around this pool waiting for somebody else to do it for me. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of, 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 of being in a place where I feel like I'm just so messed up. Thank you, Jesus, for standing beside me and letting me roll up all this messed up junk. And take off walking to you. Father God, will you stir our hearts this morning through this? Will your Holy Spirit move in this place today and let revival start in this little building that will go out of these walls into this city and throughout this nation, Lord God, because you made it happen and not us. That we're not the change that you are. We love you, Father. We thank you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.